0: God has brought you into a certain place and you're kind of like I kind of wish I was somewhere else right now but it's important to occupy the places that the Lord has put you. To say, Lord, I'm not going to resist against it, but Lord, I'm going to embrace exactly where you've put me, and I'm going to embrace the calling that you have on my life, no matter what the parameters of that calling may be.
1: The grass is always greener on the other side. This is a common saying for a reason. We want what other people have because it seems like it's better than what we have. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shares that this same issue shows up in regards to the different roles that God gives you. Instead of wanting other people's jobs, you'll be encouraged to lean into the calling God has for your life and focus on doing your best right where you are. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 18 as he begins his message Spiritual Leadership.
0: All right, let's open up in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18. Deuteronomy, chapter 18. As we continue this study through the book of Deuteronomy, as we've been traveling through what is now the last book in what is historically called the Pentateuch or the Torah. The Pentateuch is a Greek word, which means the five books. Torah is the Hebrew word for law. You know, and I was talking to someone just recently, and they said, you know, Pastor Daniel, I've never studied the book of Deuteronomy before, and I'm so amazed by how much and how applicable it still is to our lives. And I think we always need to remember that this was written to give an alternative way to live in opposition to what they had experienced in Egypt. God had delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and from the bondage of Egypt and from what was by all accounts a predatory economy. I mean, Pharaoh's entire way of carrying himself had everything to do with accumulating all the wealth of the region and subjugating all the people. And so God has delivered the children of Israel. And as they're in the wilderness, they are experiencing God in very unique ways. And God is saying, look, now when I'm going to bring you into your own land, I actually want you to be different. Because you know what happens for the children of Israel who had spent over 400 years, many generations in Egypt, it's so easy just to take on the characteristics of Egypt. And you go into your own land, you're like, well, this is what we learned in Egypt, and this is how things were supposed to work, right? And God's like, no, 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 listen, I want you to be different. I want you to have a different set of values, a different ethic, and a different ethos to who you are. And so one of the keys to being different for the children of Israel is in the spiritual leadership of the different people who are in authority. And there's no doubt that we've already seen, you know, different areas of authority and how they're meant to function. Like we already, if you were with us in our last message, we talked about how judges were supposed to function. They weren't allowed to take bribes. They weren't allowed to show partiality. We saw stipulations for kings. When you want a king, you need a king that does these type of things and doesn't do these type of things. And now in Deuteronomy 18, we're going to be looking at priests and Levites. We're also going to be looking at prophets and different things. And it's a reminder to us that in any society, in any culture, there are all different types of leadership. There are all different roles that are played by all different people. And I was thinking about this because it'd be really easy to say, okay, so this is about spiritual leadership. So this is about the leaders being really spiritual, really godly, and it is. But you have to realize that if you had the most godly leader, but if the people aren't godly, the witness of the community is still ungodly. You know, And so each one of us needs to grab hold of the areas of authority that God has given us. And I'm here to tell you, Every single one of us has areas of authority that you, by God's design, are already walking in. Like as in your family, everybody has a position of authority within their own family. Depending on what your roles are, those authorities look different. You, at the very least, each one of you have authority over the decisions of your own life. Nobody makes your decisions for you. You make your own decisions. And in a lot of ways, you need to grab hold of that authority as given by God and make sure that you are living that authority out in such a way that brings glory to the Lord. With all of the parameters and stipulations that God would have you do so that as you live out into the world, live out loud with God-given authority, you become a witness of a more excellent way. A way that is lived differently than the world that we live in today. Because in some ways, when I described Egypt, the way that Egypt functions is much the way the world functions today. A predatory economy based on accumulation and subjugation. It's not like it's a different empire, but it's still the same philosophy. And God still calls the people of God to a more excellent way. And we're all in the process by the Holy Spirit to figure out how do we live into a world that's just like Egypt, but be different? How how do we thrive in the midst of an empire, but be salt and light? And I think the gospel of Jesus really points us to that. So all of that by way of a decently long introduction. But let's just jump on in. Deuteronomy chapter 18, picking up in verse one, it says this. It says, the priests, the Levites, all the tribe, Of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he said to them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, whether it is a bull or a sheep. They shall give to the priest the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach the first fruits of your grain and your new wine and your oil and the first of the fleece of your sheep, you shall give them, verse five, for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. Verse six, so if a Levite comes from any of your gates, from where he dwells among all Israel, and comes with all the desire of his mind to the place which the Lord chooses, then he may serve in the name of the Lord as God, as all his brethren the Levites do, who stand there before the Lord. They shall have equal portions to eat, besides what comes from the sale of his inheritance. So now we have some stipulations about the priests and the Levites. Now you have to remember this priest, the Levites, and the whole tribe of Levi, it really indicates, remember, God chose the descendants of Levi to be the priestly class, right? But within the descendants of Levi, there was also the direct descendants of Aaron, who was one of the Levites. They became the priests. The descendants of Aaron became the priests. And then the rest of the males were the Levites. And then there was all other people who were of that tribe, but not directly involved in the direct service of the Lord. And we're reminded, of course, that the Levites and the tribe of Levi, they don't get the inheritance like the rest of the tribes. So when they're going into the promised land, the land is going to be divided up amongst the tribes, but the Levites don't get the land inheritance. Why? Because their inheritance is the service of the Lord. Now. What's interesting about this is, depending on how you look at it, that may have either been a really good thing or a really bad thing. You're like, well, I kind of wanted a land inheritance. I didn't want the Lord to be my inheritance. Or the other people who aren't of Levites, well, I really wanted to be a Levite. Why do they get to serve the Lord? See, you could imagine in the life of the children of Israel how people could kind of get a little backbiting on one another because I wanted to be different. And you know what's amazing is we do that stuff today, right? Where it's like, all of a sudden, you see somebody else who God has called to serve, and are like, well, I wanted to be that, and why do they get to do that? And, and then oftentimes, we'd be like, well, you know, I'm like, I, I'm called in the ministry, but I really just want to go be a millionaire or whatever, you know? And so, it's an encouragement to realize that God's callings and his gifts are irrevocable, right? That's what it says in the book of Romans. And whatever God has called you to, instead of wishing to be somewhere else, we need to learn how to embrace the calling that God has on our lives, So for the Levites, they needed to embrace the fact that they weren't going to get the land inheritance because the Lord was their inheritance. And they were going to be able to make their own money. They were going to be dependent on the free will offerings of people to the Lord and the first fruits that they were allowed to partake of. And you could imagine them kind of loathing their birthright. And for, I think for many of us, and I'm sure probably some here today, you're in the middle of doing that right now where you're loathing the calling that God has on your life, that God has brought you into a certain place and you're kind of like, I kind of wish I was somewhere else right now. But it's important to occupy the places that the Lord has put you. To say, Lord, I'm not gonna resist against it, but Lord, I'm going to embrace exactly where you've put me. And I'm gonna embrace the calling that you have on my life, no matter what the parameters of that calling may be. Now, in verse 2, we're reminded they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he said to them. And this shall be the priest due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice. So you find that when the, when the people bring their sacrifices, at this point, it's into the tabernacle, that mobile worship tent. And later, it's going to give way to the temple that's going to be built under the reign of Solomon that's going to be set in Jerusalem. That there's a portion of those sacrifices that are actually given as a gift for the care of the Levites. You notice you have the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach. So I can make a million jokes about that, obviously. But I just love the fact that it says the cheeks in our Bibles. I just think, that's, I just think it's a tremendous thing. Anyway, you'll get it later. You're like, oh. In verse four, we're reminded the first fruits of your grain and your new wine, the first of the fleece of your sheep you shall give to him. It's that principle of the first fruits. All throughout the sacrificial system, God deserves the first, the best, not the afterthoughts. And we have to always talk about that because it's so easy to live our lives where we give God the afterthoughts of our life. We give God the leftovers right? We divide up all of our energy and all of our time and all of our resources and all of our finances, and we give it to everything else. And like, well, if I have anything left, I'm going to give it to the Lord. And you know what happens when that happens? You have nothing left to give. But what's amazing, and many of you have had this experience when you decided a long life's way that you were going to start to give God the first fruits. You know what happens when you give God the first fruits? Everything gets paid. You still don't have anything left at the end. So either way, when it's all done, you don't have anything left at the end, but when you give God the first fruits, you can always say, Lord, I'm honoring you. I know you got this. There still won't be anything left over. But actually, God will have his, and everything else will get taken care of as well. Does that make sense? And this is a principle all the way through the Bible, all the way through. This principle of the first fruits. And even though, even though it's, and this is an ancient text, the principles still abide today for each one of us. So make sure you give God of your best, of your first fruits. Now, it also says here in verse five, for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. So if a Levite comes from any of your gates, from where he dwells among all of Israel and comes with all of his desire of his mind to the place which the Lord chooses, verse seven, that he may serve in the name of the Lord his God, as all his brethren the Levites do, who stand there before the Lord, they shall have equal portions to eat besides what comes from the sale of his inheritance. And this is reminding us is that if a Levite comes late to the party, maybe they 're somewhere else, and they find themselves like, "I need to go and begin my ministry here." You shouldn't withhold it from him. And and in a lot of ways, this is a reminder of that parable. Remember the parable of the vineyard where there's a guy who's got a vineyard and he says, look, I want you to go on out and invite people to come serve. And people came in the early part of the day, He says, I'm gonna pay you one shekel to work that day. And a shekel in Jesus's culture was the average wage of for a day, you know? And so it'd be like the average, whatever the average amount for one day's work, that's a shekel. And then three hours later, he said, go get more people. And people come a little bit later and a little bit later. Right, And everybody gets the same shekel. And if you remember at the end of it, for the people who were working all day and the people who only worked for one hour, the people who worked all day were frustrated that the people who only worked for one hour got the same amount of money. And remember the Lord says, listen, we agreed for your wage and so if I wanna pay them the same as you, what's the problem? It's a reminder to us that for some people they've been walking with Jesus their entire lives, right? And the inheritance that they have is the Lord. And if somebody gives their life to Jesus at the very last moment, guess what their inheritance is? It's the Lord. And so we don't want to despise whatever time somebody comes on in. And the same way with a Levite who ends up selling their inheritance and saying, I need to get involved in this. And they show up late. They get the same portion. You don't penalize them for showing up late. And this is an encouragement to us because it's so easy sometimes to kind of despise people who show up to the Jesus party late and be like, oh, they messed up so much. No, no, listen, whenever somebody shows up, it is the perfect time. It is the perfect time, and they deserve an equal portion. Nothing should be held back from them. So for the priests and Levites, this is part of their spiritual leadership, to remember that their inheritance is the Lord's. Now, in verse 9, look what it says. And when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall, verse 9, not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter Pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out of the land before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God, verse 13. And for these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. And as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. Now, what we find here is that part of the spiritual culture that the children of Israel were going to dispossess, there was all sorts of spiritual activity that had nothing to do with the Lord. And he's saying, when you go into this land that I'm giving you, I don't want you to be like the nations that are already there. So he's saying, I want you to be a unique people. I want you to avoid the wicked customs of the people. And he goes on to say, and if you look In verse 12, for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. So for all of these customs that they're supposed to avoid, the children of Israel need to realize that the very things that God is asking them to avoid is also the reason why God is giving them the land. Because the people who are living there doing these things that God sees as wicked, God is saying, because they're doing this, I'm actually taking the land from them and I'm giving it to you. Now, what this says, and this is super important, is the fact that God does not accept everything that a human wants to do. Just because you do something, quote unquote, spiritual, does not mean that it's something that is in line with the heart and the plans of God. And God makes a distinction, who God is and how God wants to be worshipped. And I think this is very important, especially in a day and age in which we live, where we live in a global village, and you can find out what the practice is going on on the other side of the world, that a lot of people, especially here in the West, they see these novel things that you didn't grow up with, and you say, oh, that looks kind of cool. And you got to realize that just because somebody is doing it does not mean it honors God. God does not accept whatever type of worship people give. Now, some people get mad and they say, well, who are you to say? I'm like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling you what the book says. And if you study the Bible at all, you realize that the Bible is not like any other book because the Bible self-authenticates itself through prophecy and a lot of other ways. And so I trust that this is God's word and God knows who he is, and how he wants us to be, and how he wants us to worship. Does that make sense? So our job as followers of Jesus is to submit ourselves to the word, no matter what the culture says. Because our culture today says, do whatever you want to do. Whatever seems right to you, do that thing. And it's all good. Like, just by nature of us being human, then we are entitled to a glorious afterlife with God of whatever making right? And I'm here to tell you that's a great lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. It's not choose your own spiritual adventure and get whatever spiritual destiny you want. It doesn't work that way. If there was no God and if you were God, then maybe it would work that way. But guess what? There is a God and none of us are him. Does that make sense? Like, like I'm not God. There is a God, and God's saying, this is how I want you to be. And for the children of Israel, he's saying, I want you to be different. And he goes through all of these different things that were common customs in the land, and he's saying, you shouldn't be doing any of this. I don't want you to learn this from them. I don't want you to follow it all. Notice things like this in verse 10. There shall be no one who passes through or who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. Now, this is, was later spoken about as offering your children to Molech. And so the idea might be some sort of a magical, like if you can make it through the fire and not get burned, you're especially blessed. But it ended up being a practice of child sacrifice. And you can read about it in 2 Kings 23, Jeremiah 32, and another number of other places where there were literally people who were having their children and offering their children to the god Molech. Actually, the concept of hell as a place burning with fire, it actually began in the valley of the son of Hinnom. That's what they called it because Hinnom had his son pass through the fire. And it was actually right, if you're walking up where Jerusalem is, up on Mount Zion, if you've ever been there, there's this huge, beautiful garden that's there now. But way, way back in the day, this guy Hinnom had his son pass through the fire there. And it was so reprehensible to the people that they made it a garbage dump, an incinerator. So the idea of Gehenna, where there's a continual fire burning, is because the children of Israel responded to such an egregious act of child sacrifice to the God of Molech that they made that place a place where there was always fire burning and there were burning refuse. And that's where the imagery of the eternal abode of those who reject God comes from. That's where it comes from. And you could imagine today we say, man, child sacrifice, right? Like who could do it, right? He's saying that was what was going on in that culture. No way. As parents, our job is to help our kids flourish. Our authority as parents is not to squash giftings, but it is to nurture so our little ones can blossom and become the people that the Lord made them to be and definitely not to see them sacrificed. You have things here like the word witchcraft, which was a broad term, and it described a huge variety of occultic behaviors. You have this idea of a soothsayer, which was a reference to an astrological type of divination. So I think the idea with a soothsayer would be like our modern ideas of astrology. Now you have to realize, for most of the astrology that you get in the newspaper, someone's just sitting down making that stuff up. You gotta know that. Just... Don't even mess with that stuff. You know, like reading the stars, all that stuff. We should have nothing, nothing going on. The idea here of interpreting omens, it says next. And that really, that word for interpreting, it comes from the root word to hiss or to whisper. And it refers to psychics or fortune tellers who use these different aids to come to some sort of spiritual knowledge. The idea of a sorcerer, and in the New Testament, the idea of sorcery, it always involves drug use. you know so the idea of the shaman who does some hallucinogen to go into an altar, that was this idea of a sorcerer. And so listen, we do live in a day and age now where lots of people talk about the spiritual overtones of drug use. Listen, if God wanted you to experience life altered, he would have made you that way.
1: Jesus is. We live in a world that's more connected than it's ever been. You can find out anything about practically anything. In today's message, Pastor Daniel cautioned you against the temptation to worship God in ways other than the ones he shared in his word. You were reminded that God knows who he is and how he wants to be worshipped, and you should follow his lead and not get sucked into other practices, no matter how interesting they might be. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will address issues like sorcery and witchcraft. You'll learn that drug use is linked to sorcery. Pastor Daniel will caution you to stay away from things that will alter your mind and perceptions. He'll share that there's both good and evil in the spiritual realm, so you need to be careful about what you're messing around with. If you dabble with the evils in the spiritual realm, you'll get hurt. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Blueprints. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.